Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another version of Bill Roden on sports here at an undisclosed location in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, with my friend and co-host, the great Barry White. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean uh, Jamal Jamal Murphy. What's up, Murphy. Bill? What's up, Bill? Hey, man. Glad to ha- glad to have you in the studio. It's been I don't know how long it's been. It's been a while. We're all, you're all together in the studio. I know. You know? It's kind of rare, man. You know, no no uh, phone voice. I like that. I like uh, the, the. But you know, sometimes you can't always stay local. You know, sometimes you have to leave even if you don't go anywhere. Just because if you stay around, it's all oh, that's that local group. So you got to just invent some place to go. You know. I hear you. Yeah. Anyways, good. It was great being back, man. Great seeing you. Everything good? Yeah, everything's great. Yeah, you know, can't yeah. complain. And how are things with you know the? I, I probably shouldn't. No, everything's good. You know, son, son getting big. Yeah. Uh, Kareem's getting big. Yeah. And then I got uh, number two on the yeah, way yeah, yeah. coming I, soon. I, I want to. Sp- I didn't know. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah. people want to announce that. No, it's, yeah, it's been announced. Oh, you know, now I'm just nervous. Why? I mean, you know, another one, you know. Oh. One yeah. is hard enough. Oh, well, why? Well, right. He's anything like Kareem, man. Yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. I guess Kareem will be. So his, his uh, youngest, how old is Kareem, your, your son? He's four. He's, He's four, four, yeah. There's tons of. He's a big four. He's like. <laughs> Tons of energy. He wears like size six seven. He's okay. four. So yeah, oh he yeah, we're gonna see. We we put him out there for yeah. sure. Well, that you know that segue that segues into our that segues into, our, into introducing our guest. Uh our guest is uh the great Khalid Green, who's a longtime longtime friend. In fact, so long of a friend that I went to high school with his mother. That's how so I knew Khalid before Khalid was Khalid. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, Khalid Green, who's a, um, he's a scout. His resume says national scout. It didn't really do his justice. Uh, but he's been scouting in the NBA. Actually, for how many, many, how many years total? Uh, total nine years. Uh, yeah, so, yes. uh, you know, 10 years direct experience in, at professional level talent selection uh, as a national scout for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, some people may say, damn, baby, what, you know, what, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Well, he's doing, he's doing the most with little, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. They, haven't, they haven't had uh, too many draft picks. So we're kind of waiting to, yeah, to see that happen. see that manifest. To see that, yeah. <laughs> it, you know. So he's brought into the studio his, his co-scout yeah. and fiancé, yeah. uh, Najuma Russell. Yes. Any relation? No, 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 no. No, you got to give us – let's do that again. Najuma Russell. Uh, Najuma Russell? Um, yeah. We've been together for back together for many many years ago. Um, oh, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a story. Yeah. 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 We'll, 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 we'll get we'll get you back on the on the relationship years, show. Yeah. Nineteen years ago. Yeah. All right, all right. Eighteen years ago. So maybe you tried, you tried to show. shave a year yeah, off that's there. Well, that's all that's, well, because you know there, there's actually uh, anyway. Welcome to the show. <laughs> but no, there's a, there's a study that came out that said uh, that millennials. Are now reversing the divorce trends. Going the, the divorce trend is now dropping wow. because of millennials because they're they're getting uh, married later, but they seem to be staying together because they're maybe because they're getting you know so yeah, yeah. smart decisions yeah. to stay stay married long yeah get, get you know you gotta get to know someone you know what I'm saying right yeah might maintain though I think sometimes men and women just have to I think sometimes we're pressured I think women I'm not sure who 
I think either women are pressured, they're, they're socialized to put the pressure. It's definitely women, no question. To yeah. get married, because like, you, you know, what do you think? And, and Spanish women, we, we tend to get married younger. Yeah, I mean, is that like, why, I mean, yeah, but is that like a cultural like thing? Absolutely, it is. Huh. Well, 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 the next show, we'll talk <laughs> about that. Although, I mean, you know, you did, in, in scouting, the thing I was going to mention was that, so Khalid came up to, uh, you know, run this sports and, uh, sports and recreation program at the Church of Intercession. Yeah. And so Khalid came up with his dad, uh, yeah. the great Roger yeah. Green. And um, you have all these kids, you know, and everybody, you know, okay, who wants to be a – who wants to play in the NBA? So, of course, everybody raised their hand. Right. right. And so it was up to uh, Khalid to kind of break it down. Yeah. They talk about the odds and yeah, I had to put that um cold water on their faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and how you you know, there's a couple guys in particular who've been really silly. I said, you know, you know, even when you you say you want to go to college, you know that they will come and ask me, right, what were you like when you were ten, right, and eleven. So what do you think I'm gonna tell them? Right, you right. know, silly as you are, what do you think I'm gonna tell them? Right. So anyway, hey man, so um. So listen, what what uh, you you've been scouting for a long time. Yes, you've been you've been involved in youth sports for a long time. First things first, uh, let's start off since we're starting the NBA season. Let's kind of do a little thumbnail sketch. Okay. Of how much misery Nets and, and Knicks can't fans could sort of expect. <laughs> start with start with the Nets. What was sort of the prognosis? Um, I think the prognosis for the Nets. Uh, I think it's another rebuilding year. But oh but really? but they did do a good job this summer with uh, clearing cap space, so hopefully you know we can be optimistic for the summer, and hopefully you know some of these names that have been floated around end up in Best Style, Flatbush, and Crown Heights. So what do you what's, what's yeah what what do you yeah, think about that like in terms because that's like the big the big debate when I talk to like other Nets writers and stuff right. like that. Um, are they? Are they a destination? Is, is Brooklyn like a, you know, a place where where big time players? Like, like I'm just gonna throw names out there, like yeah, a KD for like right. the biggest of the big. Right. Is Brooklyn a place where people are like, oh, okay, you know, the the story goes now. Oh, they're doing things differently now, right. which they are. Right. You know, they're clearing cap space. Right. You know, making wise uh, draft pick decisions mm-hmm. and all that. Do you, I mean, and you would know because you, you you see you see the players talk to the players. Do you think it's like a destination now? I do think it's a destination. Um, you know, there's a stigmatization. A lot of people think Brooklyn is not as sexy as Manhattan. Right. Well, wait. Uh, <laughs> let's, hear, let's hear that argument. <laughs> but the grit, the grit. If you if you're a gritty player, if you're tough-minded, um, if you have that determination to win championships, um, and 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 you know, do it in a way that takes some blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm only speaking to the Brooklyn culture. Right. So if you can fit into that culture, I think you can fit into that team. Right. Into that franchise. Uh-huh. You, you've been with them since 2007. Mm-hmm. Right, 2007 to now. What's it been like? I mean, what's it been like being in Brooklyn? You live in Brooklyn. Yeah. You're, you know, what's it been like being in Brooklyn and then looking right across the, you know, the river at, at Manhattan? I mean, is it is it really like this kind of shadow, this second cousin, stepchild? Nah, I mean, I'll I, I put it to, I'll say it like this. When I when I go out of town, I say I'm from Brooklyn. I don't say I'm from New York. 
Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Brooklyn. I like New York. <laughs> you you born you born and raised in Brooklyn? I was bo- actually uh, here's here's, here's, here's the trick. I was born in Illinois. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was um my parents are from S- went to SIU. Uh huh. So I was born in Illinois. I probably was in Chicago six months. Okay. And then I was in Brooklyn uh-huh. first, uh-huh. then Manhattan, then from probably eleven years old all the way up to Brooklyn. Uh-huh. I was in Brooklyn. Where Where'd you go to high school? Uh, Bishop Lachlan. Okay. Oh, Lachlan All right. yeah, okay. Lachlan. So who All was right. there when? Uh, a lot of good players count yeah, at Lachlan. Yeah, yeah, did yeah, you play? Yeah. You played Lachlan? Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. So who, who are the players there? Um, Andre Riddick, who went to Kentucky. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, oh, was, yeah. he was pretty much our best player at the time. All right. Well, how did you guys do? We did well. Freshman year, um, we had a good year. JV, good year. Uh, my my junior, um, When I was a junior, we got knocked out the, by the great uh, Jamal Mashburn. Oh, mm. yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Cardinal Hayes. Finals. Yeah, it was yeah. Cardinal Hayes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. Who also went to Kentucky. Yeah, he also went to Kentucky. All right. So that was the time Rick Pitino was, you know, recruiting Who? heavily in New York. <laughs> yeah, real heavily. <laughs> real heavily, yeah. yeah. Right. So let me ask you this. So how did you uh, get on, you know, at what point in your career as a player, because you, you, you would leave Lachlan, Yes. You go to Morehouse, yes. and you go to LIU to get your master's. But yes. at what point in your high school career did, did the light go off and you decided that, you know, you know, we, we're not going to get to the NBA? Right, I mean, right. sort of what, what was your progression? Um, I think my progression uh, started when um, I came home uh, one summer and I coached uh, in the, the community. So I coached with a... a the, the organization is not around anymore, but it was Jackie Robinson Center for Physical Culture, and they allowed me to coach a traveling team, which just for the summer. So this team went to uh, Cleveland, Ohio, okay. and we played against teams from like Puerto Rico and all over, and then that's when I got exposed to you know basketball at a high level um, on an amateur on the amateur side, and then I also got a great boost when I became, like uh, you mentioned it earlier, I was a uh, uh, grad assistant under Ray Haskins, who coached oh, yeah, at yeah. Long Island University. Yeah. So he gave me a great start um, in terms of learning the coaching side from a professional standpoint. And then from there, I started my own AAU program. Huh. Well, I mean, what I'm saying, though, is that you know, as a player, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I'm saying when you came in and say, everybody thinks that they're going to uh, either go I to mean, the NBA. So at what point in your high school career as a uh, player uh, when did I, you did you sort of divest I guess, yourself? I guess when, you know, I was never named All-City or All-American, <laughs> but I always knew that I had some – I always wanted to make a living in, in, in sports. Okay. So I kind of guess I looked outside of the box early, hmm. and when I got that taste of coaching, I guess that opened my eyes. Oh, okay. Did you did you always feel like you you could be a good coach? Like even when when you were playing, were you kind of like a coach on the floor? Yeah, I, I've always had leadership skills, so mm-hmm. I, I knew I could be a good coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the AU the AU team, you said you started an AU team. Yeah. What was what was juice, that? The Juice All Star. Well, well, actually, it was Brooklyn Bridge first. Okay. So I, I started Brooklyn <clears throat> Bridge basketball, mm-hmm. and um, and it wasn't anything that I thought would be big. It was just something I did for local kids mm-hmm. from Fort Green Projects and in and, and Brooklyn and Bed-Stuy. And those kids happened to be very good kids. So we mm-hmm. matched up against players from all over the city and we were successful. 
and uh, it transitioned into AAU and traveling mm-hmm. with, that, with those particular local te- local kids. Mm-hmm. And um, we went, we ended up uh, qualifying, and um, we finished second uh, in the AAU regionals to the Gauchos. We mm-hmm. lost by one or two points, and we ended up traveling to the Nationals, which at that that time, the first one we went to was in Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and then the next one was in uh, Worldwide Disney Sports um, in Orlando, Florida, mm-hmm. in eighth grade. What was that experience like, the AAU experience? Because you – because there's, there's no question AU is valuable, and yeah. we see there are a lot of good stories, but also you always get the bad, like it's, it gets a bad rap, especially now. Like people saying, what's wrong with basketball? Oh, it's the AU culture. But you know what, AU, I hate to say this and to be frank, is, is that's, a, that's what they put on uh, our community, and I mean the black community in particular, because that's where the coaches are in the trenches. Mm. And... Um, those coaches are just doing their best with what they have. And the gravy train is at the top. So a lot of times they're just chasing the crumbs that are left over from the real robbers and thieves at the <laughs> top of the game. Right, right. So which that, is who? Which is who? Which, is, which are the coaches, that, some of the head coaches, the agents, the financial planners. Those are the guys that are really um, benefiting off of the – talent in in the community you mean the head college coaches all of them all yes of, yeah yes so 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 where does it get the bad rap i mean i mean i i want to i, I want to get back to the nets yeah yeah but yeah. let's we might as well start from <laughs> right the, right from you know, scratch from, yeah. yeah from scratch so where what's the because uh, i you know jamal kind of touched on this you played at lachlan you were uh-huh. a player you were a player player how eye-opening was it to you when you then went from just being a player high school kid you know eight, yeah. nine, and then uh, when you started getting into this whole AAU thing, how eye-opening was it for you? I guess it was, I mean, my eyes were, were jumping out of my face um, when, in particular, when I was around Sebastian Telfair, mm. um, when he was, uh, uh, I guess he was a sophomore, and I, I aligned myself with um, Tiny Morton, mm. um, who was the head coach at, at Lincoln High School, and we brought over um, a couple kids from Bed-Stuy and Fort Greene to win Sebastian's first PSAL championship at Lincoln High School, and when I saw the you know the the exposure that those guys got off of Sebastian's platform, that's when I recognized that this is this is you know bigger than what I expected. Mm. Like bigger, bigger in what way? Bigger um, in a way where uh, you just realize that it it is called amateurism, but it's more of a professional feel to it. Um, you know, you have, you know, have people jockeying to, you know, do as much as put him on a slam mag, put Sebastian on Slam Magazine with LeBron. Mm-hmm. That's money. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, the sneaker p- companies um, trying to rally to get us to sign with them, so they can probably or maybe sign him later down the road. We say us, what, Lincoln? Yeah, Lincoln mm-hmm. and when I was with Juice All-Stars, the, mm-hmm. the other AU program mm-hmm. that I was a director with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you went from Bridge to Juice. So so how did that, what pressure did that put on you early on? In other words, you go into this, you know, you got this guy, Sebastian, what was there pressure immediately because you got to recruit players, you got to keep the players you yeah, recruit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the pressure, I mean, I had pressure, but the, the pressure – was just as, I mean, Tiny had pretty much most of the pressure because, 
you know, he, he was the head coach at Lincoln. The pressure I had was to keep the kids that the reason I went over to, to collaborate with Tiny is because I knew that I needed more help and resources to for the kids that I had to get them exposure because I would be cheating them if I didn't get them the exposure and just keep them playing with me and not grant them the exposure that they could get from Tiny and, and Lincoln High and, and Sebastian Tell. When you say Tiny, you talking about Tiny um, was the head coach. He's the Dwayne Morton. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not thinking, Tiny Archibald. I'm just Tiny Archibald. <laughs> Damn, I didn't he, know that. Not Tiny Archibald. He's, he's back at Lincoln now? He's, no, he's at Nazareth High School. At Nazareth. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, I didn't know that. So, so, you know, I mean, a lot of people who are listening, I mean, they kind of know AAU. So where, my question is, so where does it get, What's the where, what's the essence of the bad rap? I mean, I know you're saying that it's because of black and people yeah. say black is bad, but what's wh- why does it get the bad rap? Pro- what what is it, and why does it get the bad? Probably because there's a lot of people, and this is the bad side. A lot of people that are adults, that quite frankly are n- unestablished in life, and so they are trying to leech on the kids to live vicariously through them. Mm. You know, so. So if they see any potential, you know, a, a, a baby Stephen Curry or <laughs> right, right, a baby right. Dwayne Wade or LeBron James, any glimpse of it, right. now all of a sudden they become the big uncle or the big OG or right, whatever. Right. Right. And, and they are trying to, you know, get as much out of that situation as possible. So it even means that they'll, you know, put a kid in one school and, if it doesn't work out, they'll put a kid in another school. And I, I hate to say it, a lot of, lot of, uh, you know, the family is exploited because there's not a lot of black fathers around in this situation, mm-hmm. what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. So they take advantage. A lot of times, the mothers who don't really know the game are taken advantage of because they're not well informed about what's going on, and they also. Um, feel comfortable with that male figure taking control over, you know, the household, which would be, in particular, that kid. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, so you, so you went from, you saw stars, which you yep. found it, to the Panthers. Yes. To uh, YMCA New Beginnings. Yes. In Brooklyn. Yes. Then you went legitimate. <laughs> you went, you went, to, you went to Bishop Lachlan. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so what was that? So not, not that it wasn't right, legitimate, right, right. Right? <laughs> but you went. What was it like, you know, because it's really this whole progression has been very interesting. Yeah. Doing the AAU, AAU, now Lachlan. Yeah. Now you're a, a scout. Yeah. And it's very <laughs> seamless. And you've seen it at so many different levels. Yes, right. And I'm just wondering, so when you made the jump to Lachlan, as an assistant, were you the head? You, First I was a freshman coach. Mm-hmm. And then a year later I became the head varsity coach. Wow. That's quick. Yeah. That was quick. quick. So but, but was there a difference? Okay, from AAU, I mean, I'm sure there's a difference. There's a big but what? difference. Okay. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, AAU is, um, you know, it, it, it is more street affiliated. Mm-hmm. Um, I would call it, uh, you know, it's the, uh, if this was a mixtape, you know, if we're talking about hip-hop, AAU is the mixtape. <laughs> right, you right. Know, and, uh. and, and high school basketball are the are the records that you sell. Oh. Right. So, so. For Lachlan, as far as Lachlan was concerned, more structure. Mm-hmm. One, I'm in the Catholic League. Right. So uh, at that time, I think I was only, there was only one other black man in the Catholic League as a head coach. That was Mo Hicks, wow. the legendary Mo Hicks mm-hmm. and, at Rice High School. Mm-hmm. So it was just him and I and um, 
and it, it the league was you know That's the league was a very it was a big time league. Oh three to oh eight, who were the who were the guys? Who were the the, the star players of that era? In, so in I would have to start with Kemba Walker. Okay, was, for was Rice, right? Is that Rice? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, uh, definitely Kemba Walker. I coached um, Deron Lamb, who mm-hmm. won the univer- who won the uh, championship with Anthony Davis at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I also coached Devin Ebanks, mm-hmm. West Virginia. Yeah, West uh-huh. Virginia. He went to the Final Four with them, mm-hmm. and he drank a cup of coffee in, with the Lakers. That's right. Um, in the league, and um, at, at that same in that same era, he wasn't in the Catholic League, but. Um, Lance Stevenson right. was at Lincoln High School. Was he nuts then? Was that a, what do you call it? Was that a, a, scene, was that a, a taste, a taste that you, uh, uh, anyway. Acquired taste. Yeah, acquired. Was that I, acquired? I, I will say this, since I've known him, he's been fearless. Right. He's, oh, really? he's, okay. he's been fearless. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's what I would, He's he would fit into the Brooklyn Net culture. A little, little <laughs> off. Right. But. You know, when the lights are on, he'll be a, he'll he'll come to compete. Right. Could you, have t- you know, again we talk about this thing about uh-huh. one in a million. Yeah. You know, could you have told about him? All these guys you mentioned, Kimba. Yeah. Like, in retrospect, when you look back, could you have told any of that this this guy's probably going to be or one in a million? He's probably be one of the ones who. I I always thought Lance would. Kimba surprised me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Kimba has always been a good player, but. Um, in fairness to him, what I probably uh, underestimated was his work ethic. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about his work ethic. Um, he has the same worth ec- ethic that he had in high school from what people told me that he has in the league. So he's always had the talent, but, you know, he's 6'1". Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, sometimes that doesn't work out. That height doesn't work out. But his heart and the fact that he's not what I call he's a kid that's not scared of the lights. And when the lights are bright, he'll show up. Mm-hmm. You know, he won't he won't run like like roaches. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> he'll stay put. Right. So um, I think he's uh, he surprised me, but I'm, I'm very happy for his success. Mm-hmm. And Lance was more. Like, I mean, he was. Well, he called himself born ready. Born ready. So he and he was big. Yeah, he was always big. He was a bully. He right. Was a bully, but he was skilled. Right. You know, he could six four, six five, could put it on the floor. Um, you know, get to the basket. And again, he has. He has that heart, right? That you have to have in the NBA, right? You know, because so many there's so many ups and downs that happen. You have to have uh, the ability to fight through that adversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two things. You know, I, I mentioned that you came to intercession, yeah, and that was actually a turning point in my philosophy too, because you know we we tell people we ask kids, okay, who wants to be a pro? And everybody raise their hand, and what we do is tell them what what you told them that day. Well, out of you know. 10 million people who yeah. play sports, five. But then I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You know, hell, somebody got to be the one. Yeah, fact. somebody got to be the one who goes across the stage. Yes. You know, why not you? I mean, right. if somebody told me when I was like 15, and I said, well, what do you want to do? They said, well, I want to work for the New York Times. Right. Said, oh, come on, man. Are you kidding me? Right. I said, well, hell, somebody got to do it. So my question is, okay, rather than how do you get to be the one in a million? Rather, you know what I'm saying? That, that almost I, like my change of thing. Well, no, nah, I, yeah. I think that's important. Like, sometimes we defeat our kids' um, confidence. Yeah. Um, and mentally, we need to build them up. So we just need to put them to a test. Because I, I always tell kids, well, this is if this is what you want to do, then this is what you have to do. You can't just tell me this is what you want to do, and then you're not willing to put in the work to do it. Right. To give yourself a chance. 
And I'm not even saying that you put in all that work, you still will make it, but at least you give yourself a chance. And when I say uh, give uh, the things that you have to do are you have to do push-ups every night. I tell little kids, mm -hmm. you have to you have to run. Mm -hmm. You have to run steps. You know, you have to eat right. There's a lot. You have to get some sleep and stay up a fortnight. So there's a lot of things right. that you got to dribble know, the ball everywhere. Yeah, you yeah. have to do, yeah. like <clears throat> these kids think there's going to be a, a mystery formula to this, and there's no mystery formula. You know, especially when you're about six six, six five, six four. That's average. Right, right, right. You know, in the league. Right. You know, six, eleven, seven foot, you know, you'll you get your shot. shots. Yeah, right. you got a shot. Right. Yeah, but you right. still better learn how right, to Right, right, right. I see some, I see some six, I see some 6'11s <laughs> that do make it. Yeah. <laughs> walk around the street carrying bags. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, what happened, baby? All right. being a bouncer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, that's a terrible stereotype. You know, you're at the airport and something, yeah. you see some cats, you're like, and you want to ask, what? You know what happened, yeah, man? What, yeah. You know, yeah. But I mean, but that that thing. But it's in any, it's in every present. Uh, you know, when we talk, you know, uh, Najuma was talking about teaching. Yeah. And in, in every across the profession, there's a thread about whether you're a journalist, you know, whether you're, you know, we had what's the name on the show? Uh, you know, um, you know, the Breakfast Club. Charlemagne, yeah. Charlemagne, mm -hmm. you know, media call for you are chosen, but like you're yeah. right, it's not, it's not. Brain size, and like I was always at the, at the church. I'm always waiting, like on the, the worst day, the snowiest day. <laughs> I'm always curious who's gonna show up. Right. Who's gonna show up? Right. And then it could be like two show up, and I say, you know, see, that's 99% of this stuff is what you call is attrition. Yeah. Is is marathon. Yeah. Because invariably somebody's just not gonna show up. And say, well, damn, man, college shit. Hell, can you? Can you turn on the light? Yeah. And from then on, he's always the guy that turns on the light. That's a fact. There's a discipline factor to this. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I mean, kind of, kind of what we're getting into is, is uh, you know, how you find that, how you find that guy, and that, I mean, that's been your profession for ten years. But, but from Lachlan, from from being a high school coach at Lachlan, how, how did uh, becoming an NBA scout come about? So uh, that's a good question. I used to wait a minute of all these questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you slid me some money under the table. So. <laughs> you want it back now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. It didn't work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was uh, I had high school Americans at my at my school, so with that, that allowed me to be invited as a coach to ABCD camp mm -hmm. at the time, run by Sonny Vaccaro. Mm -hmm. And once I got to ABCD camp, I learned that's the first time I was face to face with the NBA scout, so it, it gave me exposure. So I was the assistant coach on the camp team, and the head coach was a scout at that time from the Charlotte Bobcats. Um, and I asked him the whole time, like, what do you do? <laughs> right, I, right. I was that guy. I asked right. him. I followed him around. Right, right. And, you know, I, I, I chummed it up with him, and I asked him what he did. Then he hit me with his salary, and oh, you wow. telling me. And I said, wait a minute. So you telling me you just go around and look at talent, and that's, that's your job? And he said, yes. Hmm. So I said, okay. <laughs> right. In my head, my head started swirling. I've always been somebody that's been ambitious and and motivated to to improve my life. So I I, I jumped into that. Um, as far as just networking and and meeting other scouts, and eventually um, when I heard that they were moving to to Brooklyn, um, my father at the time he was a state assemblyman, 
So he, uh, they actually moved the Nets, the Barclays moved into his uh, district. Mm -hmm. So they had to go through him. So I said, Dad, you, you got to pull this one. I need, <laughs> <laughs> I need some help with this. Right. And um, I did get help, but I we went to the New Jersey Net game one time, and um, I ran into uh, Mr. Bruce Ratner at the time. Mm. Right. I approached him myself. Mm. I was in the stands with my father, and I said, Dad, isn't that, you know, Mr. Ratner? He said, yes. So I said, Dad, I'll be right back. <laughs> wow. so, so I went down to the <laughs> – I went down to where he was standing. i never forget because – it was halftime, and Shaquille O'Neal was with the Phoenix Suns at that time. Mm -hmm. I guess the last, you know, his last run in the in the NBA. Right. And um, I, I introduced myself, pointed to my father in the stand, said, "I'm Khalid, I'm Khalid Rogers' son, and I just need your email." And you know. Wow. Yeah. Wow, you went for it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just like Najumba went for it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's. I mean, but you know, that is yeah. a story. That, I mean, it gets. Now it does raise a question of you know there's a what you know and who you know. Absolutely. And it's kind of first they say, well, you know, it's what you know. Well, it's kind of neck and neck. Yeah. I mean, who right. you know and what you know. I mean, that's like really important. But that, but that's, but part of the who you know story is you, you can meet people on your own yeah. too, like like oh, what yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, you, be, right. he went up to someone and it became that's he had a new, <laughs> yeah, he had a new who you know because right. you were because right. you know I've been in situations where I didn't do stuff like that. Right. So we've all. You know, balked right. at those opportunities. Right. Well, so you're, you're right. I mean, <coughs> you had the you had the nerve, yeah, to actually go and meet him. Now yeah. you could have just, you know, <laughs> sat in the seats and said, "Wasn't that Bruce right there?" And nah. then wait for halftime. But you actually, so so as he he gave you his email address. Yes, he did. And I did reach out to him. And when I did reach out to him, he actually didn't. He never responded. But weeks, I think a couple weeks later, the general manager of the Nets responded on on his behalf. Oh wow! Who? Which was who? At that time, it was Kiki Vandeweghe. Okay. Yeah. Wow! And then after that, then I got a I, I got to sit down with him, and um, he, uh, you know, I told him that I was interested in in becoming a scout. At that time, he only had a consultant position uh, available, and I said I'll take that, um, and I. I I'll do the rest. I knew what I knew what to do, mm -hmm. um, and quite honestly, um, from that consultant position, um, I asked them, could I pay to go to certain venues, which I did. Wow. Um, so there were some venues in um, that I, I researched in Chicago, and and also in Florida. At the time, I think the pre-draft camp was in Orlando, so I flew myself down there, and I just asked for a credential. So I housed myself, fed myself, mm -hmm. and got myself got my got down there, and um, they gave me a credential, and I just worked it for free. And you did you did reports? Yeah, I did reports for them, and um, I just stayed glued to them. I, I went to all the practices. Um, I asked them could I go to practices, mm. so I ended up looking like furniture after a while. <laughs> as many practices I went to, wow. and um, so that's that's pretty much how I I got in. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a great story, but it's also about tenacity. I, yeah. I notice here you put one of your things about teaching kids, uh, and, and one of the things you put first was tenacity. Yes. You know, some people might put, <laughs> I, I'm trying to find it, they might put stuff like, yeah. you know, being nice or good, but yeah. you put tenacity first. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really, I mean, that that's, again, I don't know if we, when we're talking to our kids like this, we're saying, you know, you have to really 
want it and what does that mean I yeah. mean, you you have to really can't be bashful can't be shy you have to be that took self-confidence yeah although you did point to yeah, that's my dad right yeah yeah i mean sure, yeah. shut this shit down <laughs> right right <laughs> you know. but that's how i used to coach i used to tell my players that you have to smell blood mm. you know and and then when you, and even when you're up keep your foot on their neck mm. so that that's my mentality i, I just feel like um nothing's going to be handed to you and you have to go get it Mm-hmm. Well, so, so, so meanwhile, so it's been eleven years. I mean, you, yes, you joined. What's if if you were going to write a book? Yeah, which you probably will about twenty years from now, yeah. when you can't actually write the book that Absolutely. you can actually really write. But what what sort of what's what do you know now that you didn't know when you uh, started? Uh, it could be um, maybe a better question. Maybe a better question is you've seen you've seen. You see a lot of these kids when they're like 15, 17, 18, right. 20. Now you see many of them like they're 27. What's the transformation that takes place with these kids? But, but you know, from the time you see them when they're like, you know, 22 to now you kind of see them, they're getting paid. What's what's the transformation like? Um, I think a lot of this is mental with, with, these, with these players. Um, I've seen guys come through the nets and they flame out uh, what I like to say what keeps NBA players in the league is their character for the most part mm. you know character goes a long way um, because a lot of guys are, are the same talent level but it's their character that gets them out of the league because you know it's a risk reward factor with a lot of these general managers unless you're Allen Iverson and you're giving 30 a game and you're filling up the stands you know, if you're not that, they're not going to really have patience for, for the off-the-court activities mm-hmm. that might be, um, you know, they might deem as negative. So character goes a long way with these players, um, and it, it gives them sustainability. When you say character, could it also mean on-the-court character too? Like oh, work being ethic? Being a good teammate, yeah. um, being a gym rat, um, being coachable, mm-hmm. you know, and – it goes back to, like I tell my kids that in my AU program, look the coach in the eye when he's talking to mm-hmm. you. Um, shake, shake, shake a firm, give them a f- firm handshake. Um, just be solid, you know. Um, don't be a locker room lawyer <laughs> where, you know, you got, <laughs> you're trying to <laughs> get everybody against the cold. Right, right, right. You know, there's a lot. There's always that. that. There's yeah, always that. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So there's a lot uh-huh. that goes into this. Right. And, and a lot, and unfortunately, a lot of that has nothing to do with basketball. Right. That just has to do with you know the principles that you grow up in your household. A lot of times. Mm-hmm. Don't be a locker room boy. <laughs> what 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 makes what makes a a good scout? Like, was it you know what, what does it take to be a good scout? Um, I think one, you just have to have number one have an eye for talent. I didn't know I had a I had an eye for talent before I was a scout. Um, like. And I, I found that out because my high school players became NBA players, and that was when I was a high school coach. So you have to have an eye for talent. You have to understand that what Trent, what, what they're good at in the college is not necessarily what they're going to be good at in the NBA. So you have to look for what translates. What's the, give me an example of that. So like, a big thing that translates is rebounding, a big skill. Yeah. Rebounding is a big skill um, that translates to the NBA. Shooting translates but it's how you get your shots off in the NBA 
you know, you have to have a quick release. Um, a lot of times NBA shooters are tall so they can look over the defense when they shoot. Um, and your mechanics have to be proper. Mm. Um, so you can have a consistent delivery. Mm. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about is there still a quota system? Is there still the great white hole? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> there is. Uh, but also I want to talk to you about Morehouse yes. and all that kind of stuff. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Bill Roden on Sports with the great Khalid Green. <laughs> <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of Bill Roden on Sports Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete, by the one and only William C. Roden. There you go. An absolute must read, particularly in these days and times. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports for your free audiobook. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're here uh, in an undisclosed location, Midtown Manhattan. We're with Khalid Green, who's a national scout now with the Brooklyn Nets, getting ready to put him on the map. <laughs> uh, and, he, of course, the great Jamal Murphy. You know, before we left, uh, you know, Jamal, you were asking Khalid about what makes a great scout and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, your whole thing, you've been talking about big confidence and boldness and that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, so how much of that, you know, you went from uh, Lachlan to Morehouse, yeah. right? No, Mo no uh, yeah, Lachlan to Morehouse. Lachlan to Morehouse. I, went, I did one year in, um, at Upson High School in Georgia. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, my mom said you had to get out of here. <laughs> you got to <laughs> get out of Brooklyn, stay with my great-grandmother and oh, grandfather. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was a pivot. So you didn't play? Yeah, I played there also. You played? Yeah. yeah. Without going into too much of the bloody yeah. details, <laughs> what happened? I mean, what? why did you – what? Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Why did I leave? Yeah. Brooklyn at that time was that was the I hate this, that was the crack era mm. in Brooklyn. It was the '80s. It was not the gentrified Brooklyn as it is now. So you know there were things that were going on in in, in my neighborhood that that were you know not right and exact. So my mother thought about survival first. Mm. So you know a lot of people <laughs> were were threatened. Oh, you gonna we gonna I'm gonna move you down south. Well. My mama made sure that threat. Right. You know, it wasn't even a threat. It was, I think it was the best thing for for me because mm. I need to I need to be in an environment that was a little slower at the time. So it was a, it was a it was a mutual agreement mm -hmm. between my mother and my family and me. Wow. Did that make that made the Morehouse transition? Yeah, it did make it mm. easier because I was already in the South, mm -hmm. and um, uh, you know, I had friends that I made at Morehouse. Uh, even before I got there, um, one of my best friends, uh, he was a freshman there. His name was Khalil. Um, he was already at Morehouse. He's from Brooklyn, too. So it, it was definitely the easiest transition for me. How did you decide on Morehouse? Well, you know, my mother, again, <laughs> she, she took me on a homemade tour one year. I think it was a junior year, me and my cousins. And we did a college tour that she sponsored. Well... All the parents kicked in, but mm -hmm. you know we drove a van, 
Wow. And we went from like Virginia State. We did. I know you went to North Carolina A and T. Yep. We went all the way through in the Morehouse, mm. and um, Morehouse was the school I did not want to go to because it was all boys. <laughs> so I was like, I, I, I swore up and down. She, this is the school she was pushing. Right. And I said, Mom, I'm not going to bo- all boys school. I'm not right. going it. Right. But then when I got down there, I'm <laughs> glad my fiance walked out the room. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw a spell right across the street or something. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, maybe I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. But you didn't play that. You didn't play Morehouse? No, no, no. I did not play. So your last year of playing? Was in high school. Was in high school. Yes. All right, all right. What, what about, I mean, we don't dwell on, but what was that about the Morehouse experience that kind of prepared you for everything else you want to do? Um, I think the the what what the best thing I got out of the Morehouse experience was brotherhood. Um, you know, black brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I got deeper into you know, learning about my black history. Um, that environment, you know, you don't get that environment again. You know, I haven't, you know, been in that type of environment where a lot of brothers and sisters are in the same area doing positive things. Um, so for me, that that was, you know, that was, that culture was just beautiful. Mm. Um, to see all these brothers and sisters from all over the country um, and just, you know, doing their best to, to, to do some positive things and, and, and create a future for themselves and use Morehouse as, as the platform to do it from. Yeah. Or Spellman or even Clark or right. Morris Brown at the time. That's right. Yeah. Poor Morris Brown. Yeah. But, you know, but we, you know, we tell, uh, I work with these, these students from HBCUs. Yeah. And tell them, you know, and, and even students at Jones, you know, don't take this experience for granted because this is pretty much going to be the last time for most of you That's that you're going to be around mostly black folks. Most yeah. of your career, our career is going to be spent, yeah. what, you know, whether you're the front office yes. of the Nets right. or, or a, a you know, lawyer in a firm or something like that, you know, unless you're an all-black friend, pretty much this is going to be the last time yeah, you're around all positive Black folks doing something, yeah, so don't sleep your, that, on that. That's your Wakanda, right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. your dose of it. Yeah, Wakanda before we knew it. Was, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Wakanda. Uh, you know, I know that. Um, what, what's it been like? You know, now that you're at the, you know, you, you, you let's just talk basketball. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, you know, the, the NBA, uh, the Knicks, the Nets. Uh, what's it been like for you these past few years with uh, the rise of a LeBron? Because when you first started, right. LeBron, you know, it's been the rise of LeBron. Yes. Then there was a rise of Curry, who kind of that whole thing seemed to just come out of nowhere. Absolutely. What, what is it like looking at that professionally? You know, as as a, in, you know, in the organization. I mean, I don't think people. Once I became a scout, I realized how good the NBA player was because I'm up close with them mm. every day, and I'm saying the level of uh, dedication that they put into their craft. They're taking, I don't know how many shots per morning mm-hmm. and then at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, 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 the training that they're getting, the treatment that they're getting on their bodies. So I, I, I gained a stronger appreciation for the NBA player. Now, you just brought up two guys that are different. You know, they are special, LeBron and, and Curry. And LeBron, I happened to see in high school. Okay. And uh, he's always been the most dominant player uh, 
when I watched him. Mm-hmm. Now, did I know he was going to be what he what what he has become? I didn't. I didn't know, but you know, he had all of the physical tools, and he definitely had the the basketball IQ. I saw him in ABCD camp, mm-hmm. um, and also I saw him on the AAU circuit. And quite honestly, I, um, Tiny Wayne Morton and me brought him to IS8 for two games to play. Mm. So I got to see him close and personal. I'm not really shocked. Right. He was always he's always been great. Stephen Curry, like you mentioned, Bill, has you know, he has changed the game. Um he went on his, his famous run at Davidson. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we we were caught up in that hype. But it's like he has his hype has taken on a whole nother level, you know, since he's be- got his injuries together. I remember he was injured yeah. for a couple yeah. of years in the league, but ever since he put that behind him I mean, he's changed the game. Um, he can shoot from anywhere. Um, he can shoot. <laughs> he has the swagger. Um, he can shoot off the dribble, catch and shoot, which I think makes him probably the best shooter ever mm-hmm. because most guys can either do it one or the other. He can do both. And I think he has very good playmaking skills as well. Right. So, And he's a winner. So he has, I mean, he, I've seen him play, and it's, it's amazing to see what he can do with the ball and to see the level of, of followers that he has. I mean, he has he, – he's one – what is he, the most popular player other than LeBron in the league? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I, I was just – and then, you know, I was just looking at the – Curry. Uh, <coughs> I was looking at the – he did a you – know, media day was uh, – uh, Yesterday. Yesterday, because mm-hmm. this is coming up, right? So mm-hmm. you say yesterday. But, I mean, you just had – they just had another baby. Yeah, you know, right. there's a, you're thinking, man, this is just like, yeah, there's no such thing as a perfect life. Yeah, but it's kind of getting in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, that, he, he, and, he, and he's he's very good example for the kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so is LeBron. You know, right, that, right. I right. have to give LeBron a lot of respect. Right, you know, and, and they come from two different. Yeah, right. I mean, it, they come from two completely different, you know, uh, yes. backgrounds. Yes. I mean, LeBron, you know, had more of a traditional, you know, kind of. Yeah, could have gone either way. Yes, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, I always look at LeBron, and I'm like, I mean, it really should have went the other way. It could have, right. yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you gotta. I mean, right. it's amazing. Right. It's. I mean, it's amazing what he's done and what he's become. Right. When you look at, I mean, right. he didn't. He didn't have. He didn't have any kind of no. like uh, privileges no. growing up. No, not at all. Man. I mean, you're right. You're right. I mean, that's even when you look at most black folks, it's almost a miracle. Right, right, right. What your profession is yeah. is a miracle that you are like sane right. and thrive because it's not the system is not designed at for all. us to make it at all. Right. So, so when you see a LeBron, which I think is probably why I don't know what you think is probably why he's so has become so conscious about justice and, yeah. and social justice and that kind of thing because he's a react that but, easily. Could have been me, and probably has been some people I know. But even yeah. even that's rare. Like it's, it's right. even even like having that the mindset to to go places where he's gone and to and to speak out is rare when you don't come when you don't come from like an education background. Yeah, right. you know what I'm saying? It's that's it's rare for for people to turn to turn that around even. Yeah, or unless 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 sometimes if you if you come up in the hood and you see that whole police thing right that right. occupation kind of mentality firsthand right but you're right to get to his point where you speak out about it as well hey listen i just want to get my money out. right i don't you know i don't want to rock right. the boat well, 
Well, you can't be king and not speak out. Right. So well, there was king. one who there was one who did. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there was one, yeah. Michael. Michael, and, and, and all due respect. Right. All due respect. He just chose the path of least resistance. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure that Michael, behind scenes, did certain things. Yeah. But you know, and and I think that probably as I've gotten older, you know, like like with thing with Kaepernick, I mean, you could put people like this or that. Right. And in reality, you kind of need, you need a whole lot of different approaches. Yeah. To that. I mean, I mean, kind of speaking on this, what's it been like, the the the, the sociology of the NBA? Because you've seen, and, and you're a different kind of guy. Right, now, right. You're not just kind of collecting the check and no. telling them, you know. But you know, what's what's what have you observed just about the mentality of of guys, the so you know the sociology of black young black men in the NBA? Um. Well, I, I know some on the Nets that I, I really have to say have really stepped up on their behalf of their communities. Um, you know, like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson in particular, I think he's done a, a great job in, in Pennsylvania. And, he you know, anytime I've asked him to show up for, for kids in my camp, he, he's been there, you know. Mm -hmm. so and, and a couple of other guys have done the same thing. Um, but I think more needs to be done. Um, they make so much money, they could do a lot. And what I don't like is when you see them, you know, when they're throwing their money away on, you know, strippers or, you know, whatever, rosé, <laughs> that, that money could be used <laughs> on right. on a youth program. Right. And it doesn't have to be a basketball program. It could be just used on something towards our youth because our youth are in america in particular are neglected and then they're demonized so we need as many many like you said bill as many hands on deck and as many approaches as possible to 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 help elevate them um so i think more can be done but i do commend the lebrons lebron is important because yeah. he's the best player right right so when right. the best player right. uses his platform it gives no excuse to anybody else. Right. That they should all be able to do something. What do you think is going to happen this year? Uh, <laughs> I, I, we go from like social justice, <laughs> yeah. to, back and forth. Like, you know, what do you What do you think What do you think is going to happen this year? I mean, LeBron is, you know, now out west. I was yeah. just thinking about that today. A lot of people say, "Shoot, thank God, man, that guy is out of this region of the right. country." Maybe Maybe you guys are one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Not maybe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I think, I, 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 if I had a predictor, I, I have to say Golden State is still obviously the team to beat. I think in the East, um, it'll probably be come down to Toronto and Boston. Mm -hmm. I think Boston has a little more talent. If they're healthy, they're going to be, I think they're very good if they're healthy. Those young boys, I didn't see, you know, a lot of people didn't see that uh, the progression was going to happen as quickly as it did with, with Tatum and uh, uh, Jalen Brunson. Mm -hmm. But those guys have, have stepped into to, to big boy shoes and played mm -hmm. their, their hearts out last year. Now that they got Gordon Hayward coming back, you know, hopefully he stays healthy. The Celtics should be very good. Yeah, Kyrie back also. Yeah, Kyrie back. Um, what are you going to do? I said, well, we'll get to that. But what do you, so what, what about here in New York City? We kind of started off the program like that, but give us the measure of hope. Not us. 
Right. I'm, I'm a mercenary sports writer, right, but right. more like my colleague Jamal, who is like a, you know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I don't really care anymore. I'm getting old, but but really? I'm a Brooklyn guy. You know, born and raised. I always say cause I used to be a Knicks fan, and then when Brooklyn got here, I'm like I'm born and raised here. Like yeah. you put you put Brooklyn on the chest. Yeah. I got to root for that. So, you know, yeah, I root. You know, I root. For, I would want Brooklyn to be a good, right. uh, be a real player in the league. Like I said, I think the Nets will be. Um, I'm not gonna go out on a limb and right. say that they're gonna be a playoff team. Right. Um, but I do believe that the coach has them moving in the right direction by the way they play. They don't take games off. Right. Which is a step in the right direction. But you have to infuse that at some point with talent. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said that, that comes down to the salary cap. I think in the in New York with the Knicks, you know. Um, Steve Mills and Scott Perry, I think those two gentlemen are the right people to mm-hmm. lead that train. And where it goes, I don't know if they're ready to make the leap because you know Porzingis right. is out right now. Right. And so they don't they, they lack talent too. But I have heard that, you know, players from around the league obviously want to come play for the Knicks. Um, like I said, I know Scott Perry well. He'll get that ship going in the right direction. So. Yeah, it seems like they both teams are doing things smarter yeah. now, not just jumping, trying to sign, you know, yeah. whoever whoever the free agent is, no, clearing clearing those space. Days are over with, man. Yeah, it kills you. Right. You know, you're making those drastic moves. And you saw, I mean, with the with the Nets. Yeah. Uh, were you there at the time? I was there. Yeah. But, oh boy, was he? Uh, yikes. Yeah, you but know. I was in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were like, no, don't do yeah, it. Don't do it. We can't hear him. We can't hear him. He's in the other room. That's out of my tax bracket. <laughs> no, I hear you. Let me ask you one thing, because I, I do want to bring in Najma, the great Najma Russell there. That's it, because, yes. because she did try her hand at coaching. But I want to ask you a, <laughs> I want to ask you a WNBA question. I'd like to get your take on it. Because that, that seems to be a big this conundrum. Can't figure out this whole WNBA women's basketball thing, and you come out of clearly a, a very, I don't know if, how many women you've coached, but what's, is there any future there in terms of, you know, getting this sort of the same kind of attention, let's say women's tennis kits, or right. uh, like women's tracking, you know, sprinting, I mean, or is it just, I don't say hopeless, but. Uh, I, I don't know, I hope so, because I think it's good for the young ladies that are coming up. Um, I think, it, like anything, any platform, they need superstars. Mm-hmm. You know, they need superstars, and quite honestly, those superstars have to transcend just not just the sport, but they have to be, you know, it, 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 they probably need to be act, good actresses. I hate to say <laughs> right, it, but, right, right. you know, that's what makes the superstar, somebody that can transcend the average basketball fan and bring in that other right. That other fan, that fan that just wants to see that person play, right? Right. right. You know, and that's why I think you, when you look at uh, superstars, fem- female women superstars in sports, they come from tennis, or they, or they, or they, you know, Serena. Even before Serena, um, Chris Ever Lloyd was a was a huge star. Um, track and field. Track and field. Maybe, um, who? Do you watch it? Do you watch the WNBA? I actually don't. You don't, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, well, I mean, now, but what's what's missing? Do you watch Do you watch the NBA? Yeah, of course. Yes, yeah. I do. But but what's what's missing? I mean, what is it that does? Yeah, what is it that does not attract you 
to the WNBA? I don't know. I think it's, unfortunately, I've said that to you before. It's the hair bouncing around. <laughs> I don't know. It's, so, it's, it's, it's my personal thing. No, no. I mean, it's, a, it's a, and also it's, it's hard. It's like male, like when they have their hair and they're bouncing around. I just don't feel. But that, do you watch? Do you watch women's tennis? Yes, I do. So now Serena's hair bounces around. I mean. Yeah, but that's diff- I don't know. It's weird. It's different. Hmm. It's different. Um, that's true. I think I think you know appearance has has a yeah. lot to do with it. I mean, we are, you know, this is American they look society. Hard, they look hard. You know. <laughs> this is like you in the north now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they look hard. They look a little not feminine. But but, but is there? It's, so we kind of talk about a bias because if you're a guy, yeah. you're supposed to. Oh, there's no question. You're supposed bias. to look hard. You're supposed to. Nobody says. In fact, if it was the other way, it'd be like I don't know. You there's know, there's a problem. There'd yeah. be a problem. Yeah. Right. So I mean, we talk about a really deep. Maybe that's, we talk about a really deeply rooted bias. Yeah. I think it because with those sports, like when you look at tennis, you look at uh, track and field. Even there was there's still f- feminine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not saying like I'm not saying it's right to to view it like that. Like that's that's pro- that's an issue that the country has. But I think that is one of the reasons why we don't see like the WNBA doesn't get the same play yeah. as you know tennis, where they're still wearing you know skirts yeah. and. They're still for, they're actually forced to be feminine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, I think I mean it's a deep issue though. That, that, yeah. it's hard to talk about because you don't want to because <coughs> because, like, because it's like sex. Even so, right now. Yeah, because some people even say even with tennis, say you know, I mean, a, a, a woman friend of mine said, "Well, now why are you really watching Serena and even <laughs> in sprinting? Why are you really watching the women's sprint? I mean, right. you know, because it's you know, but I mean, it, it's maybe some of that's true." Yeah, but you still, for example, basketball, you see the gap. Right. But in, in women's tennis, for some reason, right. you don't really Right, for some for some reason, some we don't know, reason. right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't, because there is, there is still a physical gap. You know, they play, you know, the five sets right. uh, goes much longer. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it was deep. But women's boxing, man, I mean, it's kind of, that's kind of tough, you know, to kind of. Yeah, I, I'm not watching women's boxing. Get get. Getting back to basketball and scouting, let me ask you this: I don't, I don't know if you can. I, you know, are there like? Could you give it? A, I don't know if you can give like, real ex, like uh, direct examples, but are there? Can you like throughout your career? Are there? Is there like a guy that totally surprised you that you missed on who you thought you know was gonna be or the or the opposite also? Yeah, um, I thought Kawhi Leonard was a good player. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was going to be a great player. Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard is a great player, mm-hmm. and and I kind of, I think I missed on him because mm-hmm. I, I I did think he was you know going to be a solid player. I thought maybe a starter in the league. I didn't see him being, you know, if he's healthy, he's top five players in the league in my opinion because mm-hmm. he does it both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's 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 a guy that you know I probably had underrated. Um, I did have a high opinion of uh, Kuzma mm. in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was going to be a good player. Um, and I He was a four-year guy? At, uh, three or four, at least three, three or four, three or four yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I, I remember on another note, 
Jimmer for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I never got caught up in that hype. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? Yeah. It was the uh, the yeah. height. Yeah. And he was a yeah. scorer. Height, um, slow, mm. um, and you know they were pushing him too hard. Mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? And he was lottery, right? He went lottery, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to spend <coughs> a lot of time on that kind of stuff. The whole great white hope thing. Yeah. But it always, I'm always intrigued by that stuff. Is really not died. No. I mean, I've been looking at Monday Night Football, and, and, and I guess, you know, you got this dominant culture just desperate to yeah. see itself, almost like right. in anything. Right. And it, go, it goes, it, even, I, I, could get, I could get caught up in it, too. Black people get caught up in that. Like, you see, it's something different, right? So you see, like, a white guy dropping 50. Even black people get caught up in it. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, that dude, he's same. nice. I don't, I don't <laughs> that's part of the same slave mentality. How come we always, yeah. how come we always like that when it's like, like when a white woman can sing? Right, it's right, like, right. Oh, right. man, she sings just like a sister. And I, but when a sister, it's not, it's just like, well, you're supposed to do that. Yeah, I actually had a conversation. Um, one of the scouts at the time was like, well, if he was a, if he was a black guy, you would really like him. I said, <laughs> this was in right, the right, meeting, right. and I was like, uh, and I was kind of new at the time, right. but I was like, no, nah, I wouldn't have liked it, because he can't <laughs> Right, you'd be like, like he's still he's slow, you'd be, be a slow talk, black dude. And he's not going to be able to get a shot off. <laughs> right. And he wasn't athletic. Right. And I knew what it was. I knew it was a great white hope type of situation. Well, even at that level, that stuff is even talking right. about. And mistakes are made. Like Absolutely. you said, he went, he went lottery. So mistakes were made based off that. Absolutely, and that's a... And you know um, that's where the intrinsic bias comes in, yeah. because they a lot of times people want that guy right. to to succeed to make a statement on behalf of the whole right. race. Well, here here's a, well, that, and that, yeah, I got that's, that's white supremacy. I got yes, it, absolutely. That, that, in, a, in, a, in a snapshot, absolutely. That's what white supremacy. I, we absolutely. need to see white superiority in every well, single thing. Who absolutely. hangs the light? Right. Who shoots the ball? Absolutely. Who, you know. I got. I got a. Re, I got a recent one. I don't know if you could comment, but I, but to me, I felt like, I felt this. This came into play a little bit, with, uh, with in the most recent draft, with uh, Luka Doncic. Now, the the kid, he had a lot of skills. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm not. You know, pretty pretty big guy. What six six yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but there was just so much, you know, still to this day, people say he's the best player in the draft, best player in the draft, um, but, you know, because of what he did in, in, in the Europe, when the top yeah. European league. Right. But when I watch film, I mean, I don't see quickness. Right. Um, the well, shot. Craftiness, yeah. I see craftiness, but, I don't, you know, uh, the shot is solid, you know, but I don't see, like, like something that when you, then you watch guys who did it in, like you're telling me that, like, a guy like Aiton couldn't go, Overseas for a year and put up numbers, but right. but people will tell you no. Yeah. Like so, so to me, they won't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So, but but to me, that was another case yeah. where I mean, I'm not the kid could be great. Who knows? Mm. But I, I just felt like I felt that little wave of like this was, is what we want to happen. Slightly over the top. It's definitely like that in the in the NBA, and definitely, uh, you know, you know even. And I've heard it from other NBA franchises where there's sometimes a split between the European scouts and the mm. and the scouts here in America, and you know, guys are intrinsically pushing for their guys, right? You know, and that and that that's a reality. But American guys too. Were, were, I mean, like I said, it was, I'm talking about the American press. Yeah. Very much on Doncic. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. But, but see, that's because there's not, um, you know, 
here in America, the, the, the Caucasian that plays the game is is dropped. Right. Their talent level has dropped. So they're almost feasting on Europe now mm-hmm. as their savior. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to go back to their motherland right. as their savior. Right. Now, what's interesting is if we had a, if, if black people had a, if Africa right. had the structure right. for AAU and, and, you know, the high school system and all of that, that would supersede what's going on over oh, here. Man, it wouldn't even be close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Even be close. You, you have seven footers <laughs> at every position in high school. Wow. As we see, they're coming into the league. That's yeah, a fact. Well, you know, you're right. What about, so that gets to, what about diversity in your, in, in the scouting line of business um, or in basketball period in, in the, you know, different organizations? I don't think, I think there needs to be way more than what is, what is going on um, in all sports. Um, you know, and that's something I teach, I tell my my uh, kids in my program, children in my program, that we are the product. You know, we are the, we're the product. We're the, we're the gold. The raw material. We're the raw material. But behind the scenes, we're not dominating. Right. And um, I think that needs to be fixed. Um, I don't know how it's going to get fixed because right. we're not the powers that be that control the money either. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, I know for a fact that a lot of NBA franchises do not look what they look like on the, on the oh, court. Oh, man, it's, it's yeah, so no. completely – you know, one of the things I'm doing with the, with the Rodin Fellows, you know, like they go, we, we're going to be part of this program, we'll be journalists. And so the first thing I do is, okay, let's go into a stadium. Right. All right. I mean, for the time you walk into the stadium, look around. Look around. How does this stuff work? They're like, um, there's a whole invisible industry that right. kids have no idea right. even exists. Right. Some of them may know what you do. Right. Scouting, they kind of may know right. that. But if you were to walk through front offices, and I was telling some of the brothers who play, I said, man, before instead of going out to the parking lot, go through the front office. You will be stunned. Yes. How you're not even in. That space, no. the Super Bowl or the NBA playoffs. Go, who's doing, who's giving out the stats? Yeah. Who's doing stadium uh, management, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You're right, man, we're not even, and that's right. But, but it's saying like, since we're like 80% of the players, you do have the leverage to say, wait a minute, I got a niece, so I got a cousin, you know, what? let's desegregate this stuff. I got a cousin who would like to work in marketing or advertising, if you, and you mean to tell me if, if LeBron or any of these guys say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 I got, I, I got somebody in my community who could do this. Yeah, and I think that's the next level of thinking for those black athletes yeah. to start understanding the industry and to understand the business part and what's missing behind. Who are the people that are making decisions for you behind the scenes in this franchise? Mm-hmm. And they don't look like you. Mm-hmm. And they, um, you know, I do credit LeBron because he did put his guys on. Right. You know, right. so that he, he, he needs to be credited for that. But I think the next level of thinking is is putting guys in place that can do the job of marketing or can do the job of of being the assistant general manager or general manager because they do it all the time. Oh. <laughs> you know, they, it's not even close. So right. we, we we need to empower our youth and empower our these athletes and educate them on what's going on behind the scenes and and 
it starts young though. Right. You can't really start thinking that they'll think like that in college because they already they already are surrounded by right. people that don't look like them. It it that type of education needs to start from eight to ten years old. Really. Right. And then you look at it, we talk about this all the time, agents, like who's a player's agent, who right. you know, who's their accountant. Right. Um, and we, you know, we yeah, know what that like, looks I mean, like. It's like it's really like the plantation. Yeah, it, it's really the same as the plantation. Your job is to tote the bars, lift the bale. We'll kind of do everything else, and then right. realize it's not an accident. No. I think sometimes we try to make up. You know, oh, it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's so calculated yeah. that this is your job. Then if okay, okay, LeBron, uh, you know, Kobe, okay, there'll be like four. You know, right. you know, but. You know, I, I, you're absolutely right, man. You, you know, we talked about that with with the young program. You know, yeah. but listen, you guys got to see how this whole thing works. And like you did, you know, it's early on. You said, you know what? I'm getting to another level. I'm not even. I'm, I'm yeah. getting. I'm getting off the conveyor belt. No question. You know, I want to own it. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so there was not a question behind it. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, a couple minutes we have. I mean, we. I know you gotta. You gotta teach tonight. Tell, tell, now tell me, uh, uh, what do you teach at uh, LIU? I teach a, a course on. It's a great course. It's in sports management, mm-hmm. the undergrad uh, division, and I teach on. Coaches, <laughs> oh. No, she helps. She helps me grade the papers. Which <laughs> <laughs> is a big thing. Yeah, that's a big thing. It's a huge thing. Yeah, but um, I teach a course on in, uh, evaluating talent in the mm-hmm. NBA mm-hmm. and everything that that encompasses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that goes, you know, we teach about the intel process. Mm-hmm. Um, we almost scouts almost have to be investigative reporters. We find out, you know, who their girlfriends are, mm. if they've been in trouble, if they have an arrest record, um, are they punctual type of people? Mm. Do they really love the game? Are they mm. playing just for what they can get out of the game? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the examples of what goes into intel, and I've, I've taught them about, you know, that goes in with scouting right right is that what what percentage do you, you think is uh on on the court uh skill and uh or character as you said before what what percentage or is it I like mean, it's a mixture I'm it's sure. a mixture <clears throat> because what happens is we, we 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 evaluate the talent based on their physical ability but now we have to see if this particular talent if his character will fit into our culture that we had at the whatever franchise you had um, I know the San Antonio Spurs are big on Intel, but uh, most teams are now mm-hmm. because if you're going to give somebody $2 million, they have to represent you in the right way, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the community and on the court. So that, you know, some, like I said, it, it also comes down to risk-reward. Right, right, be, right. Like the Iverson let's example. Like, let's not act like, you know, the mm-hmm. NBA has a bunch of choir boys. <laughs> there are some guys that can get 30, and, you know, GMs will – put some of their mishaps to the side right. as long as they fill up the stands and get them those wins. Have you seen have you have you even seen that even at the uh the youth level where the better you are the some the, the inclination is of wow. Course, yeah. You know, you just, you know, okay. Absolutely. You give him a second chance. Absolutely. Give him a third right. chance. And you had you had to deal with that personally as a coach. That personally, yeah. Like how yeah. did how did you weigh it as a coach? It, you know, it, there's some things that you have like I, for example, I'm not going to say who but we had a kid. Lancy. <laughs> <laughs> that's licking. That's licking. We had a kid who um, was a, I'm just going to give you on court stuff. He was a terrible practice player. Mm. Terrible. He was younger. 
But he would, so I had to kind of always coax, coax him to practice hard, but it never really worked. But at the same time, the other players are looking at me like, yo, he's not practicing hard. So I had to coax him and kind of pull him to the side because I knew the difference was when the lights came on, he right. would get money. <laughs> and those sometimes right. I had practice players right, right. They, that they, were great in right. practice. <laughs> but when those lights come on, those, those they were the roaches out there right, right, right. running for cover. Right. <laughs> so, right. you know, it, there is a balance. And a lot of this is psycho- psycho- right. psychological. You have to play, you know, as a coach, the biggest job of being a coach is being uh, almost being a, a clinician of the mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Who, who, well, two last questions for me. A, the best coach that you in, in the years that you've been around the NBA, the best coach, and then the last one is why did you become an English major? That's <laughs> your master's in English. Um, so the best coach, uh, from the time I've been, I've only been with one franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, Avery Johnson oh, wow. and Kenny Atkinson. Mm. Um, mm. Avery, because I did like how um, his approach. He was very metic- He was meticulous in his approach, um, well prepared, mm-hmm. and he was a player's coach. Coach Atkinson, um, I've never seen a coach that was as much uh, was a gym rat like him. He is more. He is in the gym just as much as the players. And he participates in the drills. So that goes a long way with, with players when they know that you are actually getting out there doing exactly what they're doing. Mm. Um, and he de- he's demanding. You mm-hmm. know, um, I think that's very important to be a demanding coach, to demand excellence, to demand hard work, and um, um, demand a hard-nosed approach to basketball. So those those guys are the ones that I I would credit. Why did I become an English major? You know, it's funny because um, I wanted to be at one point I wanted I was thinking about being a sports agent. Mm. So I used English to prepare myself. I was going to take the LSAT, mm-hmm. and so that was my that was my. Uh, and I also love to write. Okay. I do love to write. Um, did it help you do in doing your reports? Yeah, yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. It did. Oh, sure. It did because you know I had general managers that were big on, you know, I want to, I want to. Once you summarize who the player is, give me a picture. So I had to write mm-hmm. in the way I was taught to write. Um, give them the picture mm-hmm. so I can sell the player to them. So and also grammar and punctuation was important also with Rod Thorne in particular. Mm, really, <laughs> yeah. that's funny. Oh. <laughs> That's a whole nother. <laughs> What's the poem? Oh, I have it on, man. <laughs> I love it. Wow. <laughs> wow. We, we have to bring you guys back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love yeah. basketball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's actually yeah. good. I got a couple uh, last questions. Yes, um, the one and done, one and done rule. Um, what are your thoughts on it? And from coming from an NBA perspective, do you think, um, like, how how much does that help? You seeing a player, you know, one two years in college, as opposed to coming from high school, and also like the trend of one and dones, like kids coming out seem to be coming out too early. Yeah. I always see it as like peer pressure. Do you think that that's hurting kids? Yeah. Um, well, I'd rather kids come out of high school. Really? Yeah. I don't believe the one and done rule does anything. 
for anybody but college basketball. Right. Not even for the NBA, you see them play against each other? Well, well, I come from a standpoint and perspective where I, I kind of know who the guys are from the AAU perspective. So I always had a better feel for some of these guys that are coming out of high school. Than other other guys. Yeah, right, right. yeah, yeah. Once you have that AAU background, you kind of it's easier to gauge early talent, in my opinion. Um, but I think it, it's it's I don't think it's a, a fair rule um, to make kids go to college for one year when they're really not getting a quality education, right. and you're really just taking off a year of their money, right? Um, to boost your franchise, which would be the university. Right. Um, so, I think it's a un, un, you know I, I don't think it's a, a a good rule, and I think it's unethical. What What do you think is going to happen now that the NBA is going to be able to go back to drafting high school kids? How is that going to impact this whole? If you think the AAU thing is nuts now, how do you think that's going to impact AAU? It's going to impact it big time um, because I I read uh, I think Condoleezza Rice she she. Uh, she was the one that put down, you know, initiated a lot of rules that are coming down. Um, I know the USA Basketball and uh, USA Basketball and the NBA are pretty much going to put amateur athleticism under their umbrella now. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that looks. It's not going to stop um, the gravy train or the or what I call the gold rush. Um, kids are still going to want to come out. Um, early, how they structure it, I don't know. It's it's not. It's been very vague how they have um, have listed it. But I know one thing: uh, USA Basketball now has a lot of these tournaments that are qualifying tournaments under their umbrella now. Yeah. So, uh, for example, my AAU program, we got we received a call from somebody in Indiana because we we finished second uh, runner up in the in a championship called Rumble in the Bronx. And that was one of their qualifying tournaments. So we were invited to a tournament in Indiana, which we had to turn down because we were going to, we had a previous arrangements to go to the AAU Nationals at the time. So, you know, it could be beneficial, but I think it's going to be hectic how they lay it out because there's so many factions and there's really no <coughs> governing body to this. Do you, do, do you think it's a good thing? I mean, you know, the NBA, just like they did with, with the WNBA, not that they gave a damn. Right. about that they just want to control all things basketball right do you think that they they, they eventually going to take push the traditional AAU guys kind of out and or into the into the G League maybe um they're going to expand try. expand the G League yeah they might expand the G League I've I've heard rumors that they might uh give guys more money to play in the G League that mm -hmm. would be good um that would up the quality of the G League um some guys need to be in the G League first even guys that get drafted, obviously, in the first round, they need that developmental space to work on their games in the G League. Mm -hmm. uh, so that I think that would be beneficial. Our guest has been uh, Khalid Green, who's a uh, uh, national scout, scout for the uh, Brooklyn Nets, on the rise Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, on the uh, rise. On the rise Brooklyn Nets. Uh, thank you to uh, fiance, uh, Najima, uh, Russell. When are you guys getting married? We don't have a date. Okay, I'm sorry. You never ask that question. I was like, never ask we that question. We, we're going to have a date by the end of the... By Friday. No, no by Friday. When they come back Friday. We're going to have a date. All right. And, of course...
great Jamal Mur- Murphy's great being in the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it, it does make a difference when you're in the same room. No question, no question. The sound is much better, as you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you know, when you're on the road, it's kind of like adventure. No, no, it's, it's all good. Yeah, yeah it's good. I, I mean, you, I you can't help. Texas, I mean, you got driving across country. You got things to do, man. You know, we, you're you're a busy guy. That's the legendary. Yeah, it's Bill a legendary Rose. Bill. <laughs> the legend stay, Bill Rhodes. Stay local, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you gotta say you call a, you call from you know on site. Who knows where? Yeah. You know. Yeah, man. You guys, you guys say, look, can't stay local. Hey, thanks so much. Absolutely. Yeah, great stuff, man. Yeah. All right. Everybody, thank you. Another another version of Bill Roden on Sports. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.